1: Great show ahead tonight, everybody. Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer, your Bears broadcast crew from News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM WBBM, my broadcast partner in Super Bowl Bear, Tom Thayer. We got uh, a full house tonight coming up with our producer, Adam Staczynski. We got Jim Miller, our weekly guest, for a few segments. And then at the bottom of the hour, Bears' new defensive coordinator, Sean Desai. Tommy, how you doing, buddy?
2: Doing good, Jeff. I'm looking forward to talking to Sean. I think it's going to be an exciting opportunity because – This is a guy that we've known for a long time, but now he's in the pilot seat. So it's going to be interesting to pick his brain a little bit about the different influences that we've got to see in his career, but how he talks about the different influences and the impact they will have on his career.
1: Well, I got a taste of it early in the week when his introductory news conference uh, spoke for quite a while about uh, his rise uh, as a now nine-year NFL coach, and all with one organization, you know, worked his way through the college game. We know about his teaching ability, his trust, his nickname, Doc has, it carries more to it than just his education background. Uh, that's a term of endearment that players really respect him. and so it'll be interesting to see uh, hit on a couple of points. Maybe he's not going to talk personnel or scheme, but you know just try to pick his head a little bit. We know Vic Fangio, the influence Tom is significant.
2: Right, but his background as an educator. I think it's really an asset in the teaching of football because you have multiple levels that you're going to have to teach a scheme to where before it was kind of centric to the, the defensive backs in his NFL career, but now when you're teaching coaches about his scheme and how he wants his players taught – um I, I'm, I'm really interested to watch the impact that Sean's going to have, and I'm excited to see a young coach take over in the NFL because a lot of time we hear names being repeated in terms of hirings, but this is a new guy on the scene, and I'm excited for him.
1: Yeah, he's also worked at the linebacker level, special teams coordinator in college, and uh, a really uh, almost an entirely new defensive staff to work with. We'll break it all down. And then the news of the day, Tommy, the, another domino has falling in the quarterback world. Uh, with Carson Wentz uh, off to the Indianapolis Colts for a third-round pick this year and a second that could turn into a one based on playing time in 2022. Uh, the big headline here for me is, and most po- people are reporting the Bears did not make an offer. Whether that's true or not is uh, yet to be seen, but uh, the fact is that there is a tight relationship with Frank Reich, and this is in his headspace no doubt is a more comfortable situation for him to be with an Indianapolis Colts and the guy who coached him to what was going to be an MVP-type season in 17 before his ACL.
2: Right, but if you just looked at some of the still shots after the trade took place of he and Frank Reich in their past, it was almost a no-brainer. Look, these guys have such a a forged relationship already. This is the best thing, you know, this is the best possible Possible team for him to go to. But what I was saying is most of the conversation you and I have immediately after the Super Bowl is really, you know, to the combine. But there's been more conversation on the sports channels and the news and the radio about the quarterback position exclusively and specifically league wide. So rather than us talking about Trevor Lawrence or who's going to be the second and third quarterback picked in the draft or who's going to, you know, when are the linemen going to start falling or when are these linebackers going to go? Man, it's just that there's multiple teams. I think that I saw a graph 21 teams will return their quarterback. The rest of them are looking for new quarterbacks.
1: Right. It could be more than that, too. You just don't know what's going to happen with Ben Roethlisberger, you know, in Pittsburgh. Kind of a lukewarm response yesterday from his general manager there in Pittsburgh (laughs) about a return. Uh, But you knew this was going to happen. The, the, The dominoes have to fall. Free agency comes before the NFL draft. So, with salary cap and setting your course, it has to be somewhat settled at the quarterback position unless you're totally dedicated to going into the draft and pulling out a quarterback. That's for all the teams looking for one. So it, it is interesting in the compensation. I know a lot of people are talking about, wow, that's, that's all you gave up for him to, to get him over there to Indianapolis. But the price tag, and we'll talk more about this with Jim Miller the price tag you're bringing on to your own salary cap because of his big deal that he signed with Philadelphia and the cap they're going to carry now, the dead cap space, I believe it's a record for one player. Uh, that's that's part of this compensation. you got to inherit some of that salary.
2: Right, but the, the thing about it, too, is even the teams are at the top end of the draft It's not guaranteed they're going to draft a quarterback because they have the assets they could go and possibly make a play for some of the other quarterbacks that are are being offered out there and what they're willing to give up. And so I I just think it's going to be a really interesting NFL year through free agency and through the combine in the draft that – man, teams could completely change the profile that they concluded the last season with and they're going into next season with. So it
1: appeared the Bears drew some interest in, in Matthew Stafford. I didn't think that would ever happen within a division uh, for starters, and it was a big haul for the Lions. So that's one domino. Now this domino, gosh, now what's going to be talked about next for the Chicago Bears at the quarterback position? That'll be now raging over the next couple of weeks.
2: Well, you know, you do there's there's guys that have untapped potential at their youth or there's some guys that have extreme amount of experience that can come in and fit immediately to the plan that you set forth for your offense. So, you know, you got to figure at what end of the spectrum are you trying to, you know, fulfill in your quarterback position.
1: All right, well, coming up at the next segment, we got Big Jim Miller from SiriusXM NFL Radio. Again, Sean Desai at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk all things NFL as it impacts the Bears league-wide. Got a touch on J.J. Watt asking for receiving his release from the Houston Texans, what that uh, means now in terms of other dominoes around the league. It's an interesting start to the offseason, not that far removed from the Super Bowl. This is Bears All-Access on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome back in, everybody, to Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. Choose clean energy for your home at IGS.com, because every good choice adds up to a better world. Big Tom there, Jeff Joniak, and now welcome in from Sirius XM NFL Radio, Jim Miller from Moving the Chains with Pat Kerwin, our guest over a few segments each and every week here on Bears All Access. Big Jim, the quarterback carousel, spinning again today.
3: Yeah. You know, it's funny when you read some of these articles and they're trying to make it, oh, but look at the compensation Philadelphia got. Philadelphia lost in this trade huge. Okay, huge they lost this trade. This is a, a this tells you that they're stripping everything down, but this is about as bad as it gets. Not only did they trade up, they, they traded away five players to get Wentz. They they traded up not once. They traded up twice to get to number two. So they gave away five picks there. Um He's going to be the, the face of the franchise. They're trying to get the, the deal that uh, the Rams just traded uh, for Matthew Stafford, right? They got a couple of ones and another pick as well there. Plus, they got a quarterback in Jared Goff in that trade also. Um, got nowhere near that. It's a third-round 2021 pick, and it'll be a second-round 2022. Plus, they're still taking a $33 million cap hit, Philadelphia is. This is about as bad as it gets, guys. People can try and spin it all they want. Uh, this is this is a pretty bad deal for Philadelphia all day long. And now, if Carson Wentz goes to Indy and uh, Frank Reich is able to resurrect his career and he plays brilliant, it's going to look even worse for Philadelphia for making this trade uh, today. So, just keep your eye on, on what happens. But it, that that's about as bad as it gets. What happened today? Good for hey, good
1: for Indy though. Good for the Bears, NFC team. If that's the way you look at it.
2: But, Jim, does Philadelphia now have to look immediately to go older and more experienced than Jalen Hurts? Or how do they fill the void if they believe that's the type of quarterback, that athleticism they want to go with, but there's not two alike with more experience? So how do you think the direction they're going to go?
3: Yeah, I think they're going to have to bring in a veteran. Because, I mean, you, you still don't even know about Jalen Hurts. He's played basically four games. He's done some, some good things um, with how he played. Obviously, that, that last game, everybody was concerned and probably what led to Peterson getting shown the door when he put in Nate Sudfeld when the game was on the line. Um, but he had said, hey, we thought Sudfeld had played well and he deserved an opportunity and he wanted to play him. Uh, but you still don't know about Jalen Hurts. You love the background. Uh, he's a winner, all those things. Then he transfers, he wins with Lincoln Riley and has shown flashes in the NFL. But I, I don't think you can say he's a surefire starter right now. I think you would have to bring in a veteran to compete if you're the Philadelphia Eagles. Cause one thing about that division, it, it's wide open. Is, is any team in that division look like they're the, the leader in the clubhouse? I, I don't think anybody could say whether it's Dallas, the Giants, Philadelphia, or Washington are the leaders in the clubhouse. I mean, Washington won the division, and their record wasn't even a winning record at the end of the day, pretty much.
1: Yeah. And it came well, down to the wire. Yeah, well, you got to find out what player the player procurement part of the year will bring each of these teams, and will they get Dak Prescott signed in Dallas. That's a big part. Where are the Redskins going quarterback-wise? Lot, lot to t- discuss, obviously, with all that, but just a real quick word on Wentz from my perspective, because, you know, we are quick as fans, and in this case teams, to hit the dump button, right? I mean, it's insane what's going on now, honestly, because, yes, he was the most sacked quarterback in the league last year, 50 times. He was responsible for the most turnovers. What was around him also matters, and, yes, quarterbacks have to elevate everybody around them, but he's coming off an ACL from 17. Do you think that changed, and did he get into bad habits? Is that part of it that they think – And you played it, so can you get coached out of some bad habits and resurrect and lead a team that does have many weapons and a powerful running game with a very good offensive line and likely to go with a a tackle maybe in the first round now after keeping their first-round pick?
3: Yes, you can coach players out of bad habits, and he's going to a coach that has already done it. I mean, when you look at Frank Reich, he did that with Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck, he told him, hey, you can't take the sacks you're taking. You can't run down the field. And continue to take the hits that you're taking. And in one year with Frank Reich, uh, with Andrew Luck, he turned at what even Frank described as a complete 180 about how he was getting the ball out of his hands. He was making smarter decisions uh, when he started taking off at the ball, sliding, getting out of bounds, all those type of things. Yes, you can coach those things out of a player. And Frank Reich knows that because he's already done it. And he's already coached this player as well. So he, they, they felt very good. Uh, about this trade and their working relationship previously uh, in Philadelphia. So, you know, again, we'll just see how it works out, but I'm with you. I think if you go look at Carson Wentz's numbers, Pat and I compared, if you look at Cam Newton's, uh, Andrew Luck, their pro day workouts and their combine workouts, Carson Wentz is right there with him. I mean, this is a big, strong, athletic guy. Shoot, he was up for league MVP. That's how well he was playing until he tore his ACL. So I think Frank feels very... Certain that that they can resurrect his career and get him back playing to the level uh, that he was.
2: So, are they going to piggyback off of the Philip Rivers offense, or are they going to deconstruct that offense and introduce a new offense because mm-hmm. of Carson Wentz? Because I think, in all fairness to the other guys on the offense, it's better for them to keep the similar terminology that they've all they've already learned throughout. The Phillip Rivers experiment.
3: Yeah. Phillips is more straight line. They'll be able to do more movement plays with Carson. And no, no offense to Phillip, he, he'd kind of lost a little bit on his fastball. If you look at Phil, uh, Indianapolis, he was spraying the ball around. That's why T.Y. Hilton wasn't getting as many catches as he has previously. They may want to re sign T.Y. Hilton now because I think they'll be able to stretch the field more. With, with Carson Wentz at the helm. And I think Frank Reich will tap into that, say, hey, th- this is what Carson can do. He can launch it and launch the long ball, and maybe that becomes more effective. And think about it. Up until when Philly went to the Super Bowl, that's all they were doing all year is launching the ball, and that's kind of what put Nick Foles on the map. Well, Carson gets hurt, and what's Nick doing? He's doing all those launching the long ball, double move goes, and all those things. They were already doing that earlier in the year and why Carson was up for league MVP. So I think you can – incorporate all that stuff back into uh, Philadelphia, or excuse me, Indianapolis's offense now is what it'll be with Carson Wentz.
1: All right, Jim Miller top there, Jeff Joniak. Time for a break. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 Score. We're brought to you by IGS Energy. Back in a minute. Jeff Joniak, top there, and Jim Miller with you on Bears All Access. The Chicago Bears Network presents Inside the Bears, brought to you by Verizon. Anthony Adams and Lawrence Greeden cover the world of Bears football on and off the field every Sunday night at 10.35 p.m. on Fox 32 Chicago or watch anytime at chicagobears.com or on the Bears official app. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, new defensive coordinator Sean Desai joins the program. All right, Jim, every quarterback drafted in the first round from 2009 To 2016, no longer with their original team. Yeah. We're talking 22 guys. Ten are already retired, uh, not because of great careers necessarily. Um, That's stunning in and of itself. And then you go further, and now you go to the situation with the number one and number two picks in the draft quarterbacks in 2015, Winston and Mariota. 2016, Goff and Wentz. 2017, Mitch, Deshaun, they could be in these categories as well. I mean, I saw somebody tweet Tom and Jim this, hashtag quarterbacks equal risky business. This is not simple. I know here it's been challenging, obviously, to find the right combination of quarterbacks over many, many, many decades. But um, it's not like it's an acute problem everywhere. Yeah.
3: And it just tells you about the evaluation process, how difficult it is and what type of system you're going to put them in and are you know what's around the young quarterbacks. Are there coaching changes uh, that affect a, a, a young player? Um, there's a lot that goes into it, um, but I think it does touch on the evaluation process because if, if you don't have one, I think we know it's difficult to win in the NFL. Otherwise, you're going to be watching the playoffs at home on your couch. I mean, let's be
1: honest. Right, but yeah. you know what, though, uh, Tommy, that's uh, we agree. But when you think you have one, and then two years later you don't, that those are the gut punchers. Because maybe you've invested them. Bears invest, reinvested in Jay Cutler at that time. You know, you think one thing, and as you say, Tom, you think you're beat. But this is such a really—it's a conundrum. It really well, is. It-
2: you know, since Jim and I, and you know, you see all these guys drafted. The reason these guys are drafted in the first couple of picks is they do have a poor supporting cast. And then do they ever have a chance to stay healthy long enough? Or do they surround them with a supporting cast to turn them into the quarterbacks they were drafted to be? Then you have a guy like Joe Burrow last year. He was the quarterback that you drafted him to be. However, he didn't have the supporting cast. And then he ended up injured late in the season. How will that affect them in this upcoming season? So it's really a conundrum these guys face when they get drafted that high.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And another ACL to come, come back from and, too. And so, then you're developing them
3: and the, the fruits of the labor, the next team's going to see them. Cause what's happened to Ryan Tannehill, Tennessee's mm-hmm. getting the fruits of the labor that Miami, all the things that Tom just mentioned, they weren't a good team. Uh, they changed uh, coaches. Um, things don't go well. They trade them to uh, Tennessee lo and behold, everything comes together for him because all, those, all that experience that he got and he's mentally tough now and he's ready to uh, to really play some good football. And now all the fruits of that labor is, is gone to another team. And that's happened to a couple of guys. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens with these quarterbacks uh, moving forward. You know, whether it's, uh, you know, even guys like Teddy Bridgewater, who's now, you know, 5-0 and last year in New Orleans. And then Carolina takes a shot at him. Or what even will happen with Jameis Winston. He may be the guy now for the Orleans Darnold. who emerges. Yeah, Darnold could be another one.
1: Well, you know, I don't know. I, I'm going to stick to what I, I personally, I, you know, if teams are going to give up multiple number ones with mm-hmm. the hope of getting somebody or moving up in the draft, I just, you know, yeah. as you just well, laid out what the Browns did and, and you saw, I saw, I, I, there's too many names and a lot of guys that never materialized to anything that they analytically thought were going to be nice fits for the Cleveland Browns. That's just one example. I mean, it's it's almost nauseating to think. I, yeah. I just don't want to do that. I just don't. But and, and, Cleve, and you know, well, John Dorsey, think
3: about that. He got it right. Buffalo got it right. You know, with the, the Josh Allen, who they chose. Obviously, uh, you know, Houston feels that they got it right. The player may want out right now, and that may ultimately happen. And that's something to keep everybody's eye on. But I would think Dak Prescott is another guy. If the Cowboys don't put the tag on him. Watch the flurry for Dak Prescott. That guy's got a winning record. He's led that team to the playoffs. And look what they were without him. Because if you don't have one, forget about it. So it's it's going to be interesting here this offseason. Well, is is a good
2: experiment
3: going to be the New England
2: Patriots? Because here's a, a coaching staff in place with Bill Belichick and an organization that has an extreme success. When we talk about these other quarterbacks trying to be saviors of miserable programs, That's not the Patriots. They were down a little bit last year, but now they're not expected to be down anymore because that forgiveness period is over. So if they go out there and they research and they find the quarterback that they believe is their quarterback of the future, is that going to be an example to look at? of a successful organization c- coming back to you know the success that it has if it finds that right quarterback.
3: Yeah, and they're probably one of 15 teams that are in that mix right now. Think about that. Half the league has a quarterback conundrum. Half the league that are trying to solve it right now. Uh, and we'll see how these dominoes fall. Like I said, Dak to me is going to be an interesting guy to watch. Do the Cowboys want to put that uh, the second franchise tag on him? Um, or do they work out a long-term deal? And he's coming off an injury, but I think Dak would be garner serious, serious interest if he does make it to the free-agent market.
1: And that franchise tag can start being applied uh, just in a few days, five days from now, February 23rd, with free agency opening on March 17th. That's certainly uh, something in play potentially for wide receiver Allen Robinson. How do you guys feel about that situation? Start with Tommy
2: um you know i feel bad that it's come down to this i really admire everything that allen robinson has distribu- you know um has showed what football means to him how hard of a worker he is how he's able to recover from injury and still be a a serious competitor and contributor to the bears but i don't think he can ever look at it just as you're a good player you always have to put in the business side of it And you can never think about that. So, um, again, I I like Allen Robinson. I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. But, you know, I don't want to pay him as the highest – receiver in the league it's just you know i i don't have the budget in my mind as as an outsider um, looking at Allen robinson but he's a super productive guy and i would pay him as such i just i just don't know if i could pay him as you know the top one or two receivers in the league
3: yeah i think right now the bears i think are over the cap. i think it'd be tough to franchise him i think you want the player you want everything that he represents but uh, you know if you even look at today uh, Bidwell for the, the Arizona Cardinals, uh, John Robinson, GM of uh, Tennessee, um, Arthur Blank. We had Arthur Blank on moving the chains. This is the owner of the Atlanta Falcons who just admits with what teams are going to have to experience with the cap going down, they're going to have very difficult decisions to make. And I, th- I think the Bears are one of those teams that, with a lot of teams that are going to have a lot of difficult decisions. Think of the Atlanta Falcons. They have six players right now. The cap is only $180 million. Six players on that roster account for $140 million of their cap. Six. They got well, some tough decisions. That's why they released three guys to, yeah. to and clear And some that's space. what's
1: going to happen. I feel bad for veteran players, honestly. Uh, it's It's been that way the last... Three, three to five years, really, and it's going to get more challenging. Cap did go up to 180 million, and Matt Ryan's got 41 million of that on his own right there in Atlanta. All right, when we come back, we're going to be joined by Bears defensive coordinator Sean Desai. Stick around with Tom Thayer and Jim Miller. I'm Jeff Joniak. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by Athletico Physical Therapy. Visit athletico.com to request an appointment in clinic or virtually and start feeling better tomorrow. With Tom Thayer and Jim Miller, I'm Jeff Joniak. Pleased to be joined by Bears defensive coordinator Sean Desai. Still has a nice ring to it now, doesn't it, there, Sean? Thanks for joining us.
4: Oh, Thanks for having me, Jeff. Good to see you guys. Good to hear you guys.
1: Yes, and uh, you had your uh, news conference this week, so... You know, now it's, like, really official. You get to, to mix it up with the media a little bit and hear your vision of what the defense is going to look like. And I particularly loved hearing you talk about this is my kind of guy right here, physical, tough, speedy, smart, some of the key words to use. And no major overhaul. These are big things right here for this Bears defense in 2021. You'd hate to start completely over, right? No, that's
4: absolutely right. And I think we got, like, a lot of tools in place. Uh, and we're built for success, and we're built for success now, and it's going to be uh, my job and the rest of these coaches' jobs to put our guys in position to make some plays uh, that are impactful that help us win games.
2: Hey, Sean, I, I know you don't remember this, but I remember when you came aboard at Hallis Hall, and one Monday morning, it was probably 5.30 in the morning, and you were coming to get your information from Dave Hendrickson's office, and I asked you, what is your long-term goal? And you go, I'm, I'm going to be a head coach. And it wasn't, I want to, I think, I said, I'm going to be. A, so when you set your sights as such a young man in, in, the, in terms of the NFL, what steps did you see taking place, whether it was the, the Vic side or the Chuck Pagano side, that you knew that you were gathering the information and the knowledge to, to put yourself in this position where you earned the defensive coordinator job?
4: Yeah, well, I hope I didn't come across as egotistical then. No, think, no, not at all. Uh, I, th- I think for me, uh, everybody should have goals uh, in, in whatever profession you're pursuing. you know. And for me, it's always to be the best at the job that I've been doing and then to be able to grow from that job. Because I think once you do a great job at whatever roles you've been given, uh, you should have an opportunity to grow. Uh, if you're around good people that believe in that, then, then they'll give you those opportunities for So like you said, you know, eight years ago or nine years ago when we met and you asked me that question, uh, that was a long-term goal. And I didn't know necessarily the path. Uh, I mean, you know the steps you got to take, right? But I didn't know how to get there. And I still don't know how to get there. But uh, I knew that if I did a great job uh, in that quality control role and the people around me saw that and noticed that, uh, and I was loyal and hardworking and and put quality work out and, and was able to show my communication skills and my relatability to players that, hopefully that would last, and, and that's kind of the philosophy that I've uh, been ingrained in me from a lot of my mentors early on in coaching, and I've tried to hold true to that, and and uh, fortunately, uh, I've been around some good people, and you've mentioned some, and then ultimately culminates with uh, Coach Nagy and Ryan Pace and obviously the Bears organization with George McCaskey and Ted Phillips uh, to give me the shot and, and to, to give me an opportunity to interview and then uh, earn the right to become the defensive coordinator here.
3: Well, Sean, Jim Miller here. Congratulations. Good to talk to you. And, you know, you've Thank talked you. about your your mentors and obviously Vic Fangio and, and Chuck Pagano. They have a history with Baltimore and now Mike Penton coming on. He's got a familiarity with the, this style of defense. I mean, from from your standpoint and, and what they've done and you have probably have taken a little bit of from both and obviously are going to add your your pieces to the puzzle that you want to add to this mix, but what do you love so much about this defense? Because it has had a lot of success, whether it's in Baltimore, obviously, Penton took it to, to Green Bay, and now what's being run in Chicago, because it has, it has merits, and it has a lot of good background success that it's displayed.
4: That's right, and, the, and the, I think you hit it right there. Uh, the biggest thing for me is that it's withstood the test of time, uh, and, and even though the branches may have split off, like you said, and and people have added their own twists. I think if you stay true to the core philosophy of it, and, and fortunately for me, uh, you know, I've been around Vic the longest. And then, obviously, Coach Chuck and even earlier with Mel. But Vic is the person I've worked with the longest. Uh, so I've had a bigger influence that way. Uh, I've been able to learn how he built that defense here. And then I was able to learn the transitions through Coach Chuck and the influences that he brought in. So uh, I see... And I'm, I think I'm pretty observant, and I, and I try to process information, be analytical about it. But I see kind of where and why all of this stuff had begun and, and why it's important. Uh, we have the answers and the tools to give our players uh, that will allow them to be successful in the defense. And I think that's what we're going to try to do, you know, try to implement that, make sure they know the whys in the house of why we're calling certain plays, and then let, them, uh, let their talents shine through, e- through each of our defensive calls.
1: Sean Desai, our guest here on Bears All Access. We're brought to you by IGS Energy with Tom Thayer, Jim Miller, Jeff Joniak. Uh, this is not something that uh, I think anything anybody brought up the other day, but uh, when you're now defensive coordinator, I know you were next to Vic in the booth when he was here. What, Where do you want to be? Do you want to be on the field? Do you want to be upstairs? And the, have you weighed the benefits of both?
4: Uh, for sure. I've certainly weighed the benefits. Uh, I've reflected on it, and I think – You know, if we had to call a game tomorrow, I'd be upstairs. Uh, I think we'll go through training camp and and the offseason and see. But if I had to go call a game tomorrow, uh, I would be upstairs. Uh, I think I I see the game really well from up there. And I'll be able to uh, help manage the game uh, with some of the strength that I bring on game day from up there. Especially as a first-time play caller, I think that that'll be a good setting for me. Uh, even if I need to get down, I'll, I'll get down. But uh, uh, for now, like I said, if we have to call a game tomorrow, I'd be upstairs.
2: Sean, you talk a lot about being a teacher and being an educator. What's the difference in teaching your new coaching staff your defensive scheme as opposed to coaching and teaching the players in a player's classroom?
4: So uh, one difference, I think right now, you know, we're going through that process right now, Tom, actually with the coaches. Uh, in our in our self-scout and things like that. And we're trying to be really methodical, uh, really slow, really deliberate and intentful. Uh, with, from my perspective, we're trying to leave no stones unturned. I'm uh, welcoming questions. Uh, I want them. I want the dialogue in the room right now because this is the time for us to do that. Uh, we've got time now to really shore up uh, what we want to do. And then obviously from my perspective, what my expectations are, uh, and then I want to hear the feedback from the coaches. We put together staff with great minds and great experiences for a reason. Right? And, and these guys are not just going to be workers. They're going to be uh, collaborating to help build this defense. I want everybody on this defense, uh, including the players, to own this defense. This is going to be our, our effort. Uh, and obviously with the role I'm given, I'll be at the top of that. But this is going to be our defense, and it's going to be a 2021 Chicago Bear defense. And I think when you're with the players, uh, based on, on however this offseason and the training camp goes, but we're going to take a very similar approach. We might not be able to spend as many days on it, but it's going to be an interactive approach. It's going to be a collaborative approach. Uh, we're going to ask a lot of questions. They're going to know the whys and why every position is asked to do a certain role. And I think when you do that, I think people can understand, the players can understand the bigger picture of why a certain call is in play. And then when you're able to do that, I think they buy in a little bit more and they understand you know where where some people can win and where some people might have a harder down mm.
3: well you'll have to bear with me uh, coach this is a pretty funny story but i want the listeners to hear it so that they know about the teaching aspect of football uh, I always do the Bears training camp. And so I arrived. I talked to Prince of Mukamara. We had an interview yeah. with him one time. And he said, he was, this is almost embarrassing to admit. He said, but I, I didn't know how to catch till I arrived here with the Bears. Yeah. And I'm like, this he was a six year player. He's a world champion for right. the listeners that are out there. And he said, yeah, he goes, Coach Desai and and, uh, Eddie Donatel taught me how to catch. And for the listeners out there, if it's below your belt, pinkies together, if it's above your waist, you know, you're normally putting your thumbs and index fingers together. He said, but you guys got him on the jugs machine and, and basically taught a defensive back how to catch. And I think it says a lot about you guys as coaches because you can't assume anything. Just because a player signs with your team and he's been in the league for eight years, you can't assume that he knows everything and and doesn't want to strive to get better. And oddly enough, that year he had three interceptions for the Chicago Bears. And I just thought it was an interesting story about you and the coaching staff getting a player better and not assuming that he knows everything. You're always trying to get a player better, much like Prince of Mukamara that year.
4: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Jimmy. That's a great example. And, And the assumption part, I think you hit it right in the head. Uh, we're not going to assume anything, even with the vets that, that are returning. There's going to be some learning that they're going to have to do. And then, you know, we, we, I've always been of the mentality of uh, you should be taking notes every day uh, when you're in that classroom. And, and if you feel bored because you might know your position, then learn the position next to you. Because uh, the more you know about the defense and the more all 11 of us know how each one of us is responsible to hold our own weight in the defense; the better we'll be. And so that that's going to be our approach. It's going to be a real group and collective effort.
1: Sean Desai, our guest here on Bears All Access. A few minutes to go before the let the defensive coordinator get home to his family after a day of work. As we get you set for Bears Football 2021. All right, the league is is these these offenses are dangerous all across the board. It's the quick game. It's the slants. It's the short screens. You know, you need guys and every defense in this league, no matter what style, to tackle and to be on the ball as quickly as possible. Otherwise, you're you're talking about big plays. Uh, no matter what you do, deepest of the deep, it's the stuff that, you know, kills you on the catch and runs in this league. So that being said, do you feel this defense is the type of tackling defense that you want, or is there a ways to go to be better at that aspect of things, especially – with your, you know, your back seven?
4: Yeah, no, that, that's a great question. And uh, let me just say this. I think we got really talented guys, and I think they're physical, and I think there is still room for improvement. And I, th- I think that's the part that uh, excites me, is that we've got guys, and, and, and you know, one, one, one phrase, they're going to always hear me say, and you guys may hear it too if you're around me, is that they're caught on tape. And th- these guys have been caught on tape in a positive way to show the physicality. And now the, the next step is going to be do it uh, day in and day out on a consistent basis, on a play-to-play basis, and bringing all 11 hats to the ball. And those are the things I was talking about earlier, you know, on the other day in the press conferences. That stuff is palpable. And then over time, that's like body shots on an offense. And then, I mean, how do you? what's the first way to eliminate speed of an offense is with physicality, right? I mean, toughness and physicality uh, slows people down. And so that, that'll that be our approach, and, and I'm excited to get to work with these guys and continue to build on the tools that, that have been in place here. And then the guys that are younger or, or some guys that might need a little bit more refinement, we're going to have a plan for them as well.
2: Hey Sean, throughout your NFL career, and I don't mean this question disrespectfully, because sometimes when you gravitate towards a position, that's kind of position that room you stay in. Have you do you spend or have you spent much time in the defensive line room over the last couple of years? And uh, you know, to the, the way that, you know to see and read the expressions of those guys, as well as you know the the positions that you've worked with with the Bears.
4: So the D line is admittedly so probably my weakest position. Uh I've got I think a significant amount of experience with the outside linebackers, the inside linebackers and obviously the the safeties, corners and nickels. Uh my experience with the D line is through my interactions with them uh, on the field. I've got great relationships with all those guys in the room and when I'm when I'm on practice and you guys have seen me, I'm usually hanging around the big guys. Uh that that that's a, that's a little bit of a a personal uh, touch I'd like. Um, I like to know what they're thinking. I like to know where their minds are, what they're being taught. And I'm, I'm always, you know, during special teams, if I'm not involved, I've always been hanging out by the O-line and D-line drills because that was just another way for me to kind of learn by observing and hearing the coaching points of a Jay Rogers, who I've got a tremendous amount of respect for. And then really trying to take notes and, and study as much of that as I can on my own time and then ask questions to those guys. So th- that's where I think I've, built up enough of a rapport and enough of a uh, background in where uh, with a, with a guy, with a guy like Chris Rump in that room and then Bill Shuey at the outside linebacker room, uh, it'll be a good match for us.
3: Last one for me, just a a quick one. It was great that that Jalen Johnson got on the field. He's a young player and that's in a COVID world where it was all virtual. Are you hopeful you'll be able to work w- with the players, especially the young players, not so much the veterans, but whether it's an OTA, some type of setup here this off season. I know a lot of coaches have already been talking about that, if that's a possibility.
4: Yeah, uh, you know, that's a great question. I really, uh, I think I think most coaches are hopeful that they're able to work with their guys in the off season uh, because it's, it's just more opportunities for teaching and development. And, and as you've said, especially the younger players, because they're the ones that sometimes get a little bit lost in the shelf. A lot of these vets have been on football and they know how to prepare their bodies for the most part to get ready for a football season. But when you're coming out of college or you're a rookie or a second year guy, sometimes the learning curve is a little bit uh, longer and harder. Well, some of these guys uh, opted
3: so, out. They, they haven't even played football. It'll be two years now. When you think about it,
4: that's you right. know, that's yeah. absolutely right. And then that, that's, that's another layer just, just that you brought up. I mean, it's one thing to keep working out and lifting weights and running around on a field, but football, as you know, Jim and Tom and all you guys that have played, is, is different when you put on pads. But that's a whole different level of conditioning and physicality. So, uh, to me, uh, yes, I'd be welcome to an opportunity to work with as many guys as we can here in the off season.
1: All right, Big Sean, we'll let you go. Uh, one last one with me safeties is what you coached the last couple of years that relationship with eddie jackson because these safeties in this league now are so critical for playoff success how important is that for you
4: oh i think it's like you said it's critical i mean uh eddie and, and even sean last year uh they were tremendously leaders for us on the back end and i think there's gonna be so much room for growth uh for both of them and i think uh uh, Eddie's in such a good spot right now mentally where where he's excited to come back and, and I'm excited to uh, get back to working with him and I think we're going to pair him with Deshae obviously again and Mike Adams in that room is going to be really beneficial to him and I think he's going to really embrace the roles that we're going to be putting him in uh, next year.
1: All right, Sean, thank you so much for all the time. We hope to talk to you again down the road. All right, thank you guys. Have a good Congratulations night. Congratulations again. Sean Desai, Bears defensive coordinator. Jim, stick around. We'll talk to you a couple more minutes before we let you go, if you don't mind. Sure. As we'll continue on here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. (music) Welcome back to Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy with Tom Thayer. Jim Miller, a couple of minutes with him before we let him go. Uh, From a Bears perspective, in terms of what the salary cap, we know they're tight to it, the increase to one eighty with the potential that you know some of the players in the players association uh the guys that are um, the player reps in there they they think it's going to go up maybe to one eighty eight or so yeah. it, it it's still less, but is that enough for teams to make some difficult decisions bears included to clear enough space to make things happen yeah
3: i I think for for half the league yeah they'll they'll be fine the other half that i mentioned they're they're yeah. going to be struggling now. I mean the Rams. So where where do you
1: put the Bears in this category?
3: Um, I I think they'll middle they'll, of the road. Yeah, they're they middle of the road. I think if they do lock in the TV contracts, it may get up to one ninety 190, potentially one ninety five. But it was scheduled to be over two hundred twenty million. So mm-hmm. there's th- still that's a thirty million dollar gap. In teams where, you know, nobody could predict a, a pandemic, and you know you 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 live on the credit card, you're gonna die by the credit card. I mean, a, a team like uh, New Orleans. New Orleans is two hundred million dollars over the salary cap. I mean now that's, now
1: that's no joke. It's two hundred million over.
3: Yeah, they, they oh, had to that's why they just put Drew Brees. They classified him as only a million dollars, that way they could start shifting some money. New Orleans is in bad shape. Uh Atlanta, who I mentioned, has been bad shape. Rams are in bad shape. Pittsburgh is in bad shape. Think about Pittsburgh. In yeah. order to bring, bring back Big Ben, he's a forty four million dollar cap hit. They're going to have to extend him out if he is to play, and they're going to have to say, guess what, Big Ben? Uh, we need you to take a Tom Brady deal. If you can't take a Tom Brady deal, which is what, $25 million a year? We, we can't we can't do this. The, that Those are the decisions that are going to have to be made. Now, if they add three years to his contract, he's got a $15 million bonus that is here. Take him down to $1 million paragraph five, give him a roster bonus, spread it out over three years on a Tom Brady deal. They can do that they could do that but you know it's these things when you're living on a credit card like that and that's what these teams are saints eagles who i mentioned rams chiefs are in that situation steelers packers have some uh, issues falcons are in that world there's going to be a world hurt now they'll be think about the rams as a team that i just mentioned so they've got Aaron Donald they got Jalen Ramsey now they just added the quarterback and they've got a few other uh, – Andrew Whitworth, same thing. They've got about six guys. The rest of their team will be undrafted free agents and lower round draft picks. That will be that Hey, team. Jim,
2: do you, do you think this lessens the options for J.J. Watt? Because if he wants oh, yeah. some enormous salary to bring his personality with him, but he's not going <laughs> to be able to be offered that. Um, you know, I, seriously, so I, I think is J.J. Watt willing to accept what he's going to be paid according to the new salary cap?
3: Yeah, but for him, it's all about winning. So he's going to target a team that does have cap space, say Cleveland. Okay, Cleveland's got cap space. They just went to the playoffs. They feel they're heading in the right direction. And J.J. can say, I'm going to be opposite Miles Garrett.
1: Yeah, Uh, in the same division with his brothers on the Pittsburgh. (laughs)
3: I mean, (laughs) I don't see – honestly,
1: I mean, is this really going to happen?
3: Yeah, I mean, so I think that's what he's targeting. So I think Green Bay's an interesting, you know, could he go home there? And I'm sure they could do some things cap-wise to fit him in. I think that sounds great. But I think, uh, like, a team like Cleveland would really intrigue him. Well, but obviously Aaron Rodgers and his success, and he'll think about things like that, I would think, for him. Where do you guys
1: feel he's at career-wise? Um, I think Tom, he, you, both you guys.
3: I'll, I'd sign him to a three-year deal, and he'll probably make okay. two of those, I would think, you know. He's still a good player. Um but uh, you know for him it's about winning right now so I don't I, I think he's going to get good money but I, I don't think it's for him I think it's about winning. I really believe that and maybe he'll take a little bit less to be a part of a winner.
1: What do you think Tom? No, I think
3: JJ
2: well, I, I think JJ Watt is still a good story. He's intriguing um, in the in the world of social media where he can go out and tell his teammates how dissatisfied he was with some of their efforts throughout the football season. But, you know, J.J. Watt, to me, I, I think I'm getting damaged goods. If I'm going to be an offense that's, I'm going to look at a point of attack, I'm going at J.J. Watt repeatedly. I'm going to make him defend himself against big offensive tackles, tight ends, and offensive guards. So, um, you know, I don't think I'm going to let him be the best player on my defense in order to lead me to a Super Bowl. All
1: right, Big Jim, we're going to let you go. Appreciate it. Talk to you next week. Thank you.
3: All right, guys, always good to be with you.
1: Good to be with you. Bears fans, when shopping for your game day celebrations, don't forget to pick up your favorite variety of Lay's potato chips and Tostitos. Tostitos and Lay's are an essential part of the game day tradition and the official chip of your Chicago Bears. Go Bears. Time remaining moments with you. I want to talk about Tariq Cohen. I, I see his, his tweets talk, you know, He's into the rehab now, and it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. He admits it. It's uh, probably he's never going to have – had to work as hard as he is right now to get himself back from a torn ACL early in the season to get himself. So from your experience with teammates that have gone through this and that off season, uh, after signing a a nice contract, he, he got a nice contract from the bears. What that challenge is like to prove, you know, you're worth every penny of that after injury.
2: Right. But we have examples of extraordinary work ethic that can get these guys back on the field effectively so Allen Robinson's we, a perfect example and Adrian Peterson years ago so you know Jeff when you sit there and you look at guys that it takes them two and a half years to recover then I did ha- I would question some of the work ethic or work effort they put into getting back in the field To me, I see Tariq Cohen as a super energized guy that it is hard. It's hard getting the confidence back that you can do everything that's required of you in order to get back on the football field. But, you know, after having back surgery and knee surgeries, it's more the confidence that you have to have in yourself to go in the weight room and take a squat bar off the rack that has four or five or 600 pounds loaded on it and then bend your knees and all of a sudden you go, wow, I'm I'm back. I'm I'm earning my way back to where I need to be in order to be the player I was before and going forward. So I don't. I think because of there's recent examples of extreme success after these types of operations. I I think it's it's more. Um, it's more of a motivator than thinking, oh, I have to take a couple of years to recover from this. I, I think it's the mindset you have.
1: Well, and, and I think he's got that. He worked his tail off in yes, college. I do too. He works do, uh, He works – you know, I, I've done plenty of features on him going back into his background. Uh, I got an Eddie Goldman question because uh, there have been a few players that opted out that have already been let go by their teams in advance of 2021 season. And we talk about, well, they took a year off from football. What's the difference between taking a year off from football where you didn't have the day to day contact and your body's refreshed, so to speak, versus a player coming off an injury that's suffered in training camp and he misses the whole year and he's coming back after not playing from football? There there can't be a negative attached to it, I hope. Because, you know what I'm saying? What's the difference?
2: To me, it would be like a, a rookie with experience. Because Eddie Goldman's only been around for a couple of years, but we see what he's been able to contribute to the Bears. Now he's set the reset button. He stayed away from football for a year, and hopefully he was dedicated to the room or to the weight room. That's not evidence that we've been able to see yet. But if he was dedicated to a work ethic during the COVID season that he opted out, he should come in here like a first, a high first-round draft choice immediately.
1: Well, I mean he's still young. That's the big part of it too. Uh I, I know well let's see, let's do in the math. He's he's twenty seven years old still, Tommy, and he's already played sixty seven NFL games with the Bears over a five year period. So uh that's that's still fresh legs coming in. And and according to Sean Desai this week says that he clearly has been in touch with him at some point because he said he missed it.
2: Well, you know, some guys yeah, some guys that's when they start hitting their stride in their mid to upper twenties. And then they and now Eddie Goldman's kind of a different character because he has experience of playing next to Akeem Hicks, playing through a different couple styles of defense. Then he again rewarded with the contract because of what they believe his future ability and contributions to the team will be.
1: Well, he's going to run into a, a brand-new Bilal Nichols after what he learned confidence-wise this past right. season. I mean, it's going to be – I mean, that's a that's a bonus if you ask me. All right, we're out of time, Big Tom. Got to go. Thanks to all our producers, Jordan Trudup, Dan Brilli and Adam Stadzinski tonight. Thanks to Jim Miller and new Bears defensive coordinator, Sean Desai. For Tom Thayer, I'm Jeff Joniak. Coming up next, our guy, Mark Grody, will take you the way of the rest of the night. This has been Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Good night, everybody.